Hello, this is Penn Gillette. If I were to actually listen to the Liberal Cube podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I could potentially enjoy it. The Libra Cube. That is a podcast we haven't heard yet. Might be good, might be terrible. The Libro Cube Podcast with host Jordan Maywood. All right, here we go. This comes to us from our good friend Jordan Maywood. You call hamburger steamed ham. Yes. Hello, welcome to the Libro Cube. My name is Jordan Mute and I am the Lackadaisical Libro Cube. This show is one in which I talk of things quite often, specifically the media I have consumed. Why? Why would I do such a thing? Well, I'm working under the theory that I believe I have uh, come to the conclusion it is an apt one that. Should I not do so? The the data, the datum? When would you use data versus datum? I don't actually know. Uh, would sit in the dusty attic of my mind and slowly drive me insane. But this way, this way, this podcast way, I will get it out of my brain and into the ether that is the internet. You see? You see. I know you do. Or rather here, as this is an audio medium. Eh? I should say, as I uh, sometimes do and sometimes forget to do, that you may not have consumed some of this media yourself. So I warn that that is a possibility, because I don't want to spoil things for you, but I may. I may. May I? Mother may I? Alright, before we uh, do anything else, let's uh, push a button that will start the first of several segments. Movie monologue. Today's movie monologue sponsor is the Red Dog Saloon. Thank you for that sponsorship movie the first red dog wait a second seems like it may be a conflict of interest of some sort oh well uh come come at me fcc bro ziff stalin uh red dog from 2019 a documentary uh, about uh, 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 a saloon Yes, early 1980s, the family toddler Luke knew where the strippers, bouncers, and outcasts that called the OKC's rowdiest strip club home. Yeah, so um, uh, uh, this uh, now adult, you know, uh, in his uh, 40s, I presume, I don't know, I'm just throwing that out as a guess, uh, 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 decides to ask his mother uh, about some stories about her time working at this sort of very famous uh, uh, Oklahoma City uh, uh, saloon. And, and you, you know, you got strippers, you got booze, you got brawls, you got drugs, you got rock and roll, sex, drugs and rock and roll, quite literally. Um, so it's sort of a, a retrospective of those times, uh, of, of the, of the, of the eighties. I was born in 81, so probably, you know, wouldn't have been, <laughs> wouldn't have been allowed in this bar. Can you believe the nerve? Yeah. Uh, but it, it's interesting to look back at 80 stuff because, you know, born in 81, 
when do when do memories start forming you know late late 80s i suppose so like uh, that early 80s vibe is not something i particularly remember other than seeing in movies but uh, some of the pictures uh, did they have any film i don't think they did but they had a they had a fair number of pictures uh to sort of like uh, uh, feel that 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 80s vibe uh it's fun to see because it is a fun vibe despite you know it being weird (laughs) it's a weird to look back at 80s stuff it's weird to look back at some 90s stuff but but 80s i feel like of the decades that have feels to them uh uh, i feel like 80s it's got to be the weirdest right can can we agree on that Hmm. uh yeah so uh, fun, funny, sad, uh, 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 you know, introspective. Uh, 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 this guy's mom is a, a goddamn delight. Uh, just sort of uh, seemingly smoked like a chimney, which is, you know, th- that's worrisome, let's say. Uh, she reminded me a lot of, I feel like I have on the uh, uh, the Maywood side of my family, I feel like I have relatives that remind me of this. Just sort of like you know, older, fun ladies, you know, who, who, it makes me want to, you know, contact them and ask them about their, uh, uh, their, their youths and, uh, uh, what kind of, uh, hijinks they got up to because I bet they did. It just sort of has that sort of feel to it. Rating wise for this movie, great documentary. Uh, I think I'd go with solid four with some, uh, you know, uh, laugh out loud, fun five moments. Uh, very much enjoyed it. Watched it with the missus. Uh, uh, and she enjoyed it as well. So I'm going to definitely recommend Red Dog. Uh, movie the second, The Magnificent Seven from 1960. Oh, yes, they did uh, remake this at some point. Uh, this is, is it the original or was there even one before this? You know what I may be thinking? Wasn't this <clears throat> sort of a, a based around the Seven Samurai? I'm fairly sure I have heard or knew that. Yeah. Anyways, uh, 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 Seven Cowboys rootin' tootin', as you do. Uh, uh, come to the aid of a, a village in need that is being uh, 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 waylaid by banditos. Well, let me read the MDA. Seven gunfighters are hired by Mexican peasants to liberate the village from oppressive bandits. Oh, yeah. I was pretty accurate. We got Yule Brenner, Steve McQueen, Charles Bronson, et al. Uh, I think... This will fall into the category of movies that I wasn't sure if I had seen or not. And then, you know, got probably uh, an embarrassing amount of time into before realizing I had seen. Not to say that's necessarily a bad thing, but uh, it's not a great thing. Uh, just because it uh, lends itself to thinking that the movie has perhaps uh, some unforgettable, or sir, rather, some forgettableness. Yeah, it's got an air of forgettableness, perhaps. Uh, uh, not to say it's a bad movie, it's, it, it's fine. It's just uh, it's two hours and eight minutes long. Uh, my favorite part of movies like this are the gathering of the seven. 
that's probably my favorite part of uh, of a movie where a group of people are going to do a thing the gathering of the group of people uh, uh that's always fun whether it be you know western or or heist heist movies do that a lot uh, uh superhero movies sometimes you know building a team that's always a, a sort of fun you know what i think we talked about this last episode i love a quest movie and I love a building a team movie. So what's a movie in which there's a quest in order to build a team? <laughs> a sort of traveling from point A to point B and gathering people along the way uh, in order to fulfill a task. I, I feel like I have, there's like a fantasy something in my mind that I can't quite picture what movie this is it, it must exist it must it must exist and i want to watch it and i want to write it i want to watch and i want to write it so i'll tell you what if you listening to this are a uh, hollywood movie writer get at me at me yeah yeah as the kids say at me jordan underscore maywood on twitter uh, the Magnificent Seven gets a seven. No, because my rating scale is out of five, so that would be ridiculous. I don't think I've ever given a seven. I know I've given some sixes. Um, I'll just go a three. Uh, three enjoyed while watching, but probably wouldn't watch again. I don't think my desire to... Like, if I'm going to watch a older, you know, 60s, 70s uh, b -b -b Western movie... Uh, it's not going to be this. I'll go Good, Bad, and the Ugly. I'll, I'll go a lot of the Clint Eastwood ones. But uh, this one, it's just, it's good. It's just, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. Let's just push a button and move on. Yes? Television Talk. Today's Television Talk sponsor is Romulan Ale. Thank you for that sponsorship. All right, uh, decided to uh, do, and we'll probably continue to do so as we sort of uh, work through. The Mrs. and I are watching Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, we just started, uh, we're one episode into season two. <clears throat> so, you know, periodically, uh, uh, I figure I will bring back episodes and we'll uh, just have a little chat in the television talk segment because that's what it's got to for. Uh, uh, all right. Uh, uh, episode the first. Sure. We'll always have Paris. Oh, you know, it's funny because Lower Decks just did an episode titled, and I didn't put this together because uh, I've spoken of this uh, probably on more than one occasion of my love of star trek does not reach to the ability to remember the names of episodes so like if if i were to describe an episode i would say things that happened in it rather than say the title like the one where uh, captain picard encounters a woman from his past after her scientist husband's experiments begin to unravel the fabric of time for example which is what this one is hmm uh, anyways, yeah, uh, a Star Trek Lower Decks episode from season two is we'll always have Tom Paris. So that's pretty funny. Uh, yeah, so this is a timey-wimey one. Um, I'm looking at the, uh, obviously I just read that memory alpha, Captain Picard encounter, so da, da, da. uh, there, uh, I, I, I love time stuff. 
this had the, uh, and I feel like we've seen this in a Star Trek before or something else before, or maybe I'm just remembering this episode where it's like time repeats, uh, just for, you know, briefly, like, uh, you'll be sitting there eating a sandwich and then you'll jump back to the beginning of eating the sandwich and you'll be eating it. And then you'll sort of look down and be like, wait a second, didn't I already eat the sandwich? A, a sort of deja vu. Deja vu? Deja Q. Is that an episode? I bet you it is. Or a book, perhaps. You know what? Let's Google it. Hey, we do what we want here in the podcast. Deja Q. <laughs> it is an episode. <laughs> that's hilarious. I was just assuming that would be an episode title. Ooh, that's a good episode, too. Yeah, I like that one. Uh, anyways, we got to wait till what season is that season three okay so we got a bit of a ways for for that one uh so we'll talk about that when it comes up perhaps uh yeah so <clears throat> uh combination of time stuff which i like uh we get a little uh, picard backstory uh which is nice just for the reason that it gives him a bit more of a personality uh, <laughs> which, uh, is something that, uh, the missus has, uh, has noted, or at least uh, like she didn't like, and I don't blame her. And I kind of didn't either. Uh, Picard in the very first few episodes of, uh, of TNG was not was sort of tough, not likable, uh, a bit of a jerk, even it felt like, um, but he, he mellows, uh, which is funny because I, I think sort of famously, uh, uh, Patrick Stewart, <laughs> in character and out uh, out of character uh, his sort of mellowing uh, uh seemingly coincided which is uh, which is a fun thought uh yeah so that's a fun episode well i was paris moving on to conspiracy oh okay so uh i have some v uh, sort of very visceral uh, uh, I guess childhood memories of certain things from certain episodes. Uh, and this is maybe first and foremost, uh, if you know this episode, you probably know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, after Captain Picard receives a dark warning from an old friend, the Enterprise returns to Earth to stop an alien invasion from taking over Starfleet. So something very interesting here is that the missus uh, saw... Uh, Deep Space Nine first. That was her first uh, Star Trek sort of experience, I guess you would say. Uh, and we're not talking the one in Las Vegas. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so she knew of changelings and sort of how they uh, attempted to, I guess, infiltrate, uh, take over a, a Starfleet from the inside by, you know, uh, changing into them, uh, looking like humans and, you know, pretending to be them. However, uh, these sort of, uh, there's a few, two or three, I think, uh, interconnected episodes where something, some force is trying to, uh, infiltrate Starfleet by, uh, uh, taking control of, uh, the higher ups, that sort of idea. Uh, we learn in this episode what it was, these sort of parasitic beings that uh, burrow into your head do they go in your ear i don't know they kind of remind me of uh, obviously the ones uh, uh, the, the the things from uh, the wrath of khan that go into a uh, checkoff's uh, uh, brain and those sort of things similar to that in look and feel 
however, these are uh, sort of sentient beings that uh, uh, take over control of the bodies of these people, give them super strength. Uh, it's sort of interesting that they don't have the memories of the people they're taking control of. So that's sort of their weakness. They're, they're, they're how they are foiled eventually that, that sort of idea. Anyways, uh, the scene at the end where, uh, uh, these, these creatures are, uh, seemingly, uh, finding host in one of the, uh, uh assholes <laughs> of the show. Uh, I don't mean literal assholes. I mean, uh, a character who uh, is a bit of an asshole. And, uh, uh, then he's sort of shot with a phaser and explodes in a gooey mess. And there's a, there's a, a giant one inside him. This whole scene, it's got some Ray Harryhausen style uh, effects, but then, uh, it, it, it's just gooey and disgusting and, and, uh, and scary probably for, uh, for a child watching it. When did it first air? Can I see that on? first aired 1988 so i was born in 81 and i probably saw this when i was seven years old jesus christ yeah so seeing this when i was seven no wonder i still remember it god damn <laughs> i don't think i was that young uh yeah so no wonder some of the scenes that i'm uh, recalling from this uh, just sort of like ingrained into my brain uh be it for good or ill <laughs> uh regardless a great episode great great series of episodes one sort of interesting thing at the end of this uh which i didn't recall which it, it, it's fun to rewatch it so much because there's there's every once in a while that you get these little these little blips of, of things like oh really that happened i didn't remember that happening uh and, and one in particular in this is uh, we learn that these these beings sent off a signal to you know wherever their home planet is. I guess we're assuming uh, um, uh, to to sort of I, I don't know signal the invasion or something. But then they never <laughs> and I didn't tell this to the missus. We never see these things again. That's it. They're 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 here and then that's it. You know it'd be cool uh, if in Picard uh, we get these involved somehow. Like, they come back. Ooh, that's an interesting idea. Anyways, moving on to the third episode I brought back here, The Neutral Zone. Oh. After rescuing three ancient humans from cryogenic stasis, the Enterprise is ordered to the Romulan Neutral Zone on an important mission season finale. <laughs> yeah, okay, so season finale. Uh, okay, so definitely, first and foremost, I want to say that uh, one of the Romulans... Uh, uh, is played other none, by none other than Mr. Gull Ducat, a.k.a. Shit, what the fuck is the guy's real name? Oh, God. Searching for names is not a fun thing to do. Tabak. Okay, is that his name on the show? Tabak. Tabak, yes. Portrayed by Mark... Oh, shit, I always get this last name wrong. Uh, Mark Alamo. A-L-A-I-M-O. Yeah, bad with names. I have mentioned the dreaded name curse. Uh, yeah, uh, forgot that, well, obviously forgot or didn't realize that the same actor who played, I guess, the sort of first, yeah, kind of the first b big bad Romulan dude 
in this episode, also played Dol- Gal Dukat in uh, Deep Space Nine, was very proud of the misses. Uh, I, I sort of gave a hint, uh, oh, do you recognize that guy? <laughs> and uh, she eventually, I think she said, she got Gull and Ukat, but couldn't get the first <laughs> letter to give her the D. Uh. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, well, she doesn't listen, so the fact that I just said I had to give her the D will be a joke for us and us alone. Uh, yeah, this was an interesting one uh, because you've got uh, some of uh, the lightest sort of comedic moments and then the very sort of seriousness of, of finally introducing the Romulans as a, as a force to be reckoned with. Uh, the lightness, obviously, from people who were thawed out from our times which is fun um yeah all great episodes uh was just listening uh, you know this could go in the internet intercourse segment but i was just listening to uh, star trek the next conversation as i do in fact you will recognize matt myra's voice from the show opening interesting and uh, uh they are do a much more sort of uh, look at these episodes with a much more critical eye than I do. Uh, uh, like the episode they just watched, they gave a, a two out of 10. Oh, they use a 10 point scale too. Um, but, uh, I, I just love it all. I love the good. I love the bad. You take them both. And there you have Star Trek. Today's Game Gabin sponsor is Advanced Components. Thank you to that for that sponsorship, rather. Eh. All right, I wanted to talk about uh, RimWorld again. Yes, I did. Just because I'm still playing it. Yeah, uh, since last I spoke of it. Uh, it's just a game that... Uh, enjoying so much i feel like it's it's definitely falls into the category and i think i mentioned this last time of a game that i'm going to leave installed and uh will definitely periodically sort of just pick up and uh, you know play a little bit uh, do, do a colony here and there uh one thing i haven't even dipped my toe into yet is they have on the uh, steam workshop uh, scenarios you can download. So uh, uh, I think I'll maybe look into that as well for my next uh, playthrough. But what I what I have done, I've done... Uh, uh, there's certain victory conditions to this game. So basically you start in various ways. Uh, uh, you could start as a single person. You could start with a little colony. Um, but you're working towards certain goals um, with a, a shit ton of <laughs> stuff in your way to complete these goals, uh, most of which fall in the category of trying to get resources to uh, upgrade and get better and more technology and research and blah, 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 blah. Um, but you're trying to, I, I guess, escape the planet. Yeah, that's what I think most of the victory conditions boil down to at least the ones I've done so far, which are, uh, first I launched the ship. Uh, so you, there's a couple ways you can go about doing that. You can build it, 
which is not the route I went, uh, or there will be one sort of somewhere on the map, but I think what the whatever algorithm decides where it's going to be places it uh, as far away from you as sort of uh, humanly possible on the map. So getting there is tough. And uh, also from what I've seen, it tends to put it in very inhospitable regions where... Um, uh, resources are limited. So, uh, even if you can get there over that great distance, uh, uh, once you do get there, it's going to be hard to protect it because, uh, uh, what, what happens is you'll, you'll start up the ship and then it'll launch in, I think it's 15 days. Is it 10 days, 12 days between 10 and 15 days? Uh, it will launch and you have to protect it during that time. Uh, and, and I guess it like sends out a signal to fucking everyone to, to be like, Hey, come try to destroy this ship and all these people here. Uh, so, uh, it, it sort of ramps up the difficulty while that's happening. So that's the first one I did, uh, and managed to do it. I, I'm not playing on hard difficulty or harder difficulties as that is not my want in any video games. Uh, the second one I did which I just finished a couple of days ago was the, uh, Royal victory, they call it. So you sort of, uh, uh, pick one of your, um, one of your colonists. Uh, I had one named after me and one named after the missus. So I made a sort of a king and queen eventually is sort of, a, if you want to boil it down, that's how it would be <clears throat> adorable. I know. Um, so I worked through that scenario, uh, where, uh, you're getting new titles, you're sort of doing things for this uh, Imperium uh, uh, and slowly building up, you know, reputation and honor and uh, going about it that way. And eventually they say, hey, you're pretty awesome. Why don't you come to space with us? And then uh, you could do it that way. There's a, a couple of more. There's, there's one involving, and I'm not really sure how it's going to work. I think maybe I'll use the same save file because I only sent me and the missus off excuse me, off with the Royals and I have the rest of the colony still there. So I think you could do sort of multiple conditions on one save file from the looks of it. Like continue that save file. Uh, it's just minus me and the missus, which is the same because we were very powerful <laughs> colonists. So I'll, I'll have to, uh, you know, recruit some more, which I didn't really do too much of. Uh, uh, th there's one, like you find a relic or something. I, I don't know if that's a victory condition or just something you can do. Anyways, I'll, I'll play around with it some more. Um, currently I'll just give you some behind the scenes. I am, uh, I just installed in and playing, uh, the outer worlds. Is it the outer worlds or just outer worlds? Let me see the outer worlds. I'm, uh, two hours in and, uh, very much enjoying it. Beautiful game. Uh, and I'm definitely having fun with that. So, you know, we'll see how that goes, but, uh, room world, uh, again, easy five out of five, six out of five, potentially just for, you know, when you think of, uh, and, and you, you know, maybe professionals don't take this sort of thing into consideration, which, you know, I'm not a professional. So, uh, what I paid for it versus the amount of hours of entertainment that it has given me. And I can see continue to give me in the future, not least of which, because, uh, of all the community generated content and mods and, and things you can do to, to tweak and, and make the game fit the play style that you enjoy. Really just incredible rim world. Uh, cannot recommend highly enough if you like this sort of game. You know, I, I could see people shying away from uh, uh, this sort of experience, which uh, valid, sure, okay, yes. <laughs> Charlie, Charlie bit me. <laughs> <laughs>
Internet Intercourse. I like turtles. Today's Internet Intercourse sponsor is Listerine Mouthwash of Fire Breath. Thank you for that sponsorship. Item the first, Lawrence Sontag playing Zelda Breath of the Wild. A goddamn delight. Uh, I, you know, this, this sort of makes me think, if I could watch anyone play Zelda Breath of the Wild, who would it be? And and Lawrence, got to be in the top, I was going to say top five, but yeah, the top three, maybe number one. Who would be number one? Like, like throw that game at Jeff Goldblum? Yeah, but, but then... Like you get someone like Jeff Goldblum, you know, very charismatic person, but maybe he would not be good. Okay. Lawrence is good at it. So his, his playing ability with, yeah, some sort of Franken monster between all the ones that, yeah. Anyways, it's fun. It's relaxing. Uh, It's interesting to hear him sort of uh, just, just uh, wax poetical suppose he would say on uh, various subjects that come up in chat my my only gripe is and this is great for his audience uh on twitch uh and, and you know uh, often great uh, in the in the vods that i watch on his youtube channel uh the gripe is the amount of time he focuses uh, uh on chat versus on the game I would maybe adjust that slightly for the purposes of why I like it. Uh, like, uh, quite often we'll be paused on the game while talking about something, you know, serious uh, with the chat, which, interesting, uh, I'd probably lean towards more of uh, play versus talk. But, but it's, you know, it's impossible to do both uh, uh, at the same time in some cases and sometimes uh, and I'm sure the chat appreciates this um, he'll uh, decide to focus more in the chat than on the game which is totally fine I'm not saying it's a bad thing I'm just saying given the choice I would perhaps have him uh, uh, you know focus a little more on the game uh, the other disappointment, and this is a, a, a good one, is that, uh, I think there's only two, uh, uh, episodes, episodes, I don't know why I'm calling them episodes, two videos, uh, one was like five hours long and one was like two hours long, so, you know, I got fucking seven hours of, uh, being able to watch him play this game that I, uh, love watching people play just because it's beautiful and, uh, calming, uh, uh, uh so, you know, I have that, but, Oh, also he's playing on master mode, which is Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, that looks so incredibly hard and frustrating that, uh, I, I don't think I would be able to do that. It does make me want to, and I feel like I'm definitely going to maybe even tomorrow, um, play a little breath of the wild. I have a save with all the shrines done, um, with, I think more than half of the, uh, Kokoro seeds. So should I go back in to play, it would be for the purposes of trying to get all the seeds, uh, and then just sort of having fun doing so like, uh, and going around and, uh, just, just playing from the perspective of just, you know, having fun, just, uh, exploring, you know, kind of just dicking around, dicking around. Yeah. That's a good way to look at it and, and quite often the way in which he played just sort of, Oh, that looks interesting over there. Let's go see what that is. Uh, and that I love as well. So, uh, uh recommend that. Yes. 
Moving on to Runesmith. 5e potions need to be better. Oh, yeah. Uh, Runesmith. Uh, that's interesting. I don't know if I've brought that back yet. Uh, he is a, uh, a YouTuber who revolving around the world of Dungeons and Dragons, of which I subscribe to quite a few people who would fit that description. Um, but uh, he, he's very well uh, polished videos. Uh, uh, always has a sort of interesting perspective and uh, uh, enjoys videos very much. So if I haven't brought him back yet to the internet intercourse segment, I apologize. Uh, but this one uh, really jumped out at me. 5e potions need to be better. Yeah, uh, couldn't agree more. They are sort of just sort of you know, you get your healing potions, that's fine. You, you you do, I believe, need those. Uh, um, but a lot of them are just replicating, uh, existing spells, uh, was sort of his main point, which makes sense. Now, what I like to do, uh, I, I do a shit ton and probably too much to be honest, but I have fun doing it. So I kind of don't care. Uh, I do a shit ton of custom uh, items in my uh, campaign. Uh, you know, uh, th they say you shouldn't do that. Don't overload your players with, uh, uh stuff. Now th uh, the, the perspective there is often that don't give them super powerful items, uh, which, you know, I, 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 I do sort of subscribe to that belief, uh, as a sort of general rule that makes sense, but I, I, I lean more towards, uh, custom items falling under the strange, uh, possibly useless, uh, uh, items, items that maybe have a, a, a trade-off. There's a, there's a benefit, but there's also some sort of detriment, uh, to use them, uh, that sort of idea. And when it comes to potions, uh, potions and scrolls, uh, what I like about those is they're one use, one and done. So, uh, you can give them this super powerful, ridiculous thing. And yeah, it might screw you up one time or, you know, from my perspective, make things crazy one time. Uh, but then you don't have to worry about it again. So, uh, uh I, I like stuff like that. Uh, it's interesting because, uh, I find that... Uh, in games I have played, uh, people don't as often give, uh, one of the DMs I have does definitely does that, but people often don't give these crazy, ridiculous, seemingly useless items. Uh, and, uh, something I love is finding unique ways to use items that, uh, uh seemingly don't have, uh, useful uh, abilities or what have you. Yeah. Does that make sense? Maybe a little bit it does. And maybe a little bit it doesn't. Uh, which is another reason why I like making uh, these custom items. Because I like to see the, 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 the crazy things my players can do with them. Yeah. Moving on to the Adventure Zone. Colon. Earthsea. Episodes 1 to 8. Yes. Yes. Folks, uh, I, I spoke in an episode not too long ago about the Adventure Zone coming back to Dungeons & Dragons in the form of this new campaign titled Earthsea, and uh, my sort of worry of it, and uh, uh, the fact that they did a lot of things that were not D&D, &D and uh, uh, how last campaign I, you know, enjoyed it at first, but I sort of, it, 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 and you know, no fault of their own, I sort of faded away from it. A little bit. However, 
this new season I am very much enjoying. Uh, they did some cool things to set up the story and sort of uh, build the world, which I spoke of. Uh, and now that we're actually in the world, it is really giving me those sort of uh, early adventure zone vibes, which, uh, so very much love. Uh, I've said it before and I'll save it again. What I look for in a D and D actual play podcast is a, is a bit of a list. It's, uh, it can't be 100% role play 100% of the time. Um, I like to hear some of that, uh, out of character jokes and banter, which, uh, helps when you have a, a, a comedic cast like they do on the adventure zone. Um, I like to hear some of the roles, some of the numbers, some of the, 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 spell descriptions, uh, some of the mechanics. I, I, I like that part of it. So, uh, when they, when they dig into that a little bit, uh, I enjoy it, which they do on, uh, Earthsea, especially, uh, something I've enjoyed of Earthsea is that, the world they have built has lent itself to creating some uh, custom mechanics, uh, which I like because it gives me ideas for, uh, I, I have a lot of, uh, have come up with a lot of custom stuff, custom, like, uh, what am I thinking? I did like a race. I did like a, a giant Mac, I, like coming up with a, a, a mechanic where, uh, uh, two characters, bodies were melded together into one, like sort of strange mechanics that, allow you to make crazy things happen. Yeah. Um, so, uh, uh, so far so good. And, uh, uh I'm definitely going to continue on with uh, the adventure zone earth sea. Thank you for that. Goodness. Speaking of goodness, Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast with guest Kevin Pollock. As I used to say back when Kevin Pollock, uh, had Kevin Pollock's chat show, uh, it was the first podcast that I ever listened to was, uh, uh, uh his episode number one, uh, with, uh, I was going to say Jordy LaForge to see, I, I got Star Trek on the brain with, uh, LeVar Burton. Uh, I, I came for the LeVar Burton stayed for the Kevin Pollock and watched uh, every episode. Uh, and it's sort of, uh, it was definitely part of the impetus for me starting this back in 2012, 2012, which uh, is interesting because that means, and I just realized this like two days ago, that means next year we'll have been doing this podcast for fucking a decade. That's insane. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I wonder how close, uh, my episode six, six, six will be, uh, to, because that's when I'm debating ending the podcast, which I've, uh, loosely spoken of so far, uh, w how closely my episode 666 will coincide with my 10th year. So it'll be October of 2022. That'll be 10 years. So, you know, still got away. Anyways, uh, so this was great because, I uh, hadn't uh, heard uh, Kevin Pollock on a podcast in a while, uh, and these two, just uh, two funny dudes sitting around shooting the shit. Back to the sort of old school reason why I love podcasts. Yeah, it, it was a delight to hear. Uh, Kevin Pollock had some great stories, as he does, uh, and I uh, highly recommend it. So, you know, good stuff. Oh, wait, what's this? Something about funny people. Oh, okay. <laughs> Bonus, this is Eclipse. 
a bonus section. Yes. Well, I, I just wanted to do a brief, or not so brief, I don't know. I've got nothing planned. Uh, no notes whatsoever as I roll. Uh, a brief little talk about Norm MacDonald. Yeah, uh, his uh, fucking devastating passing uh, and how it has affected seemingly the comedy community as a whole, which has uh, sort of been fascinating to watch. Uh, uh, you know, this is where I'm sort of have that gladness that nobody listened to us where I could say things like, uh, uh, I, I cried more when Norm Macdonald died than when my grandmother died. Uh, uh, I'm a monster. Uh, saying that out loud is uh, weird, but also I feel like there are, like, I've heard people say similar things where it's like, you know, uh, someone in your family dies and it's sad and uh, you feel like you should, you know, be sadder than you are than at a fucking uh, a, a, a sad commercial that makes you cry out of nowhere. Why Why is that? Why is it sometimes that media, uh, you have become more affected than real life? I don't know. Maybe it's something just to do with time. And by that, I mean time spent with a thing. Like, uh, the amount of time I spent, uh, with Norm Macdonald's, you know, consuming media with him, uh, 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 uh enjoying, uh, enjoying, you know what, there's a, th that's another part of it, uh, uh hanging out with a, a loved one, it's not going to be, uh, 100% fun 100% of the time, whereas, you know, my experience with Norm Macdonald's is, you know, 99.99% of the time is just him making me laugh, so, uh, maybe that somehow rolled into it, there, there's got to be a sort of, you know, deep down psychological reason why, uh, sometimes things like this, where seemingly they shouldn't affect you as much as real, quote unquote, real life things, uh, uh, just sort of hit you harder. Um, he was, <sighs> maybe notes would have been a good idea. He was a comedian who seemingly fearless, seemingly didn't care whether the audience was <laughs> enjoying what he was throwing out uh, can fall into the comedian's comedian category surely however also uh, I, I feel like had fun doing what he was doing and prioritized his having fun uh, on stage you know on a chat show on, on whatever sort of a medium he, he was being funny in, uh, prioritized his having fun, uh, over just about anything. Uh, and, and it was a delight to watch him, uh, the, the fearlessness that sort of fucking, uh, uh that attitude, uh, uh, made so readily apparent. Uh, uh, I, I worry, uh, that there will not be anyone like him uh, uh, again, who, who, who has the ability to do what he did. Um, there was definitely, you know, he would tell problematic jokes and definitely there, there's things he would say that in a million years I wouldn't say, but, 
uh, a combination of, you know, giving him a pass by saying, well, he's Norm MacDonald. Sounds, you know, to some, I'm sure, like uh, maybe a not good thing that he gets this this pass to say things where uh, uh, if anyone else were to say them, uh, they would, <laughs> it would be bad and you would cringe and, and, and uh, not like it. Yeah, let's just boil it down to that. People would not like if you said some of the things that he said. However, uh, something that I feel like he did, and perhaps why he, you know, to to use a lack of a better term, got away with it, was because he didn't do it out of spite or hate. He did it because he would sort of demonstrate the ridiculousness of some of the things that he said. The 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 the, the, the sort of fallacy. The see again, notes might have been helpful. The the ability to say something horrendous uh, and have people laugh at it, not because we think that he thinks this horrendous thing, but because we think. Uh, he knows this is a horrendous thing to say, and uh, we're sort of all in on the joke that uh, uh, this shouldn't be a thing that is said. <laughs> I don't know if what I'm saying makes sense, but uh, uh, the underlying sort of uh, 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 funny of Norm and the fact that we're 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 seeing so many. Uh, people in the sort of comedy community just come out and tell these amazing stories, not only of his comedy, but his sort of behind-the-scenes kindness. You know, uh, the fact that he's a Canadian and uh, grew up, you know, uh, not too far from where I am right now. Uh, 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 a certain amount of pride there as well, I suppose. The, the, the funny Canadian gene, definitely strong in him. Uh, uh, something I aspire to, surely. Uh, I, I, I don't think I would go about it in the same way, <laughs> telling the same sort of jokes, uh, uh, nor do I have the desire to. It, it's just, yeah, sad, sad, sad. Will be missed, and I think we will, and I'm hearing a lot of comedians say this, and I hope it will be true, we will, for years to come, uh, sort of feel his impact on the comedy community and and, and uh, just a tremendous loss and, and and so very very sad and uh you know wow <laughs> really uh don't know what else to say so i won't say anything yes yes it's nice to be nice <laughs> to the nice this is the end of the show a sincere thank you for listening. Time to plug some things and I do not mean buts. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow Jordan underscore Maywood on Twitter. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes. Lastly, if you would like to contact the podcast, you can email jordan.maywood at gmail.com. I would like to conclude that I am not a robot and that I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. No, something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. We 
Wait till the warm-up's underway Wait till our lips have met Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine The best is yet to come Live long and prosper.